In this episode of The Interface, I get together with John Whitaker, Product Marketing and Business Development Manager for Amphenol PCD in Beverly, Massachusetts. John has the unique challenge of managing new product development while helping to sell products from our European sister divisions at the same time. We talk about the two kinds of people in this world, according to him, circular connector people and rectangular connector people. We also talk about his transition from an electrical engineer to product management, and we talk about his experiences as a high school basketball referee, where I ask the question, what's more difficult, dealing with an unruly coach or an unruly customer? This is The Interface. Glad that, to be here. <laughs> that was your cue to start talking. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. Yeah. You can see how formal we are here. Yeah. We just we just start talking and whatever happens, happens. But uh, John Whitaker, who is the product marketing manager. Yep. Official director, title, product manager. marketing and business development manager. Okay. That's a lot That's to fit on a business card. card. Exactly. So yeah. I don't put that all in the business card, just product marketing. You've been in this role for how long now? Uh, I started in this role November of 2018. 2019, so November of 2017, I guess. Okay. Yeah, coming up on two years now. And so. you progressed through, you've done a number of different things as far as managing products and whatnot. What have you managed over the years here? So I started in December of 2012 mm -hmm. and managed our core product as a product specialist for that. Uh, and it was kind of kind of the intro to PCD for two, three years. And right. At that point, uh, really kind of kicked into new product development which I guess led me to my current position. But looking at uh, Pegasus, Solaris, uh, how we can grow, because basically it's grow or die. Right? The, the uh, products you have, either you have to put them into new markets or you have to develop new products for your existing market. Mm -hmm. It's the only way we can stay relevant in today's marketplace or in any marketplace at any given time. So. So I'll give you the chance. Here it is, right? You have a, hopefully a captive audience of dozens, maybe. <laughs> but if you could talk about Pegasus, right? Tell us about Pegasus. What's, what are the Pegasus connectors and what are they good for applications, features, benefits, stuff like that? Sure. Well, the genesis uh, of Pegasus, to say with the Latin uh, right. <laughs> extensions. <laughs> But the Luminous product line was very successful for us, as many people know. Mm -hmm. uh, but today's avionics, everything needs to be protected from EMI noise, either from EMI emissions or uh, uh, radiated noise or injected noise. So Luminous couldn't play in those markets because it's just unplated plastic. So in order to expand our market space, we needed to plate that. And we actually had customers, multiple customers tell us this. So it wasn't really that hard of a decision. Right. You know? No genius here. It's, Oh, you want plating with that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> right. Always say yes. And then figure it out later. Well, the idea is, you know, you, I can think up of uh, a markets to penetrate. I can think up of areas to go into markets, but when a customer tells you and you have multiple customers tell you and you don't act, well, that's a problem. Right. So, in this case, it was relatively straightforward to have the idea, know where you could go with it, and then just convincing your management team that that's worth the time and expense, mm -hmm. right? And that's maybe where the genius came in. <laughs> but it's been doing well. It has been doing well, yeah. In terms of um, uh, expanding uh, the types of applications that 
PCD now finds itself playing in. Mm-hmm. Communications, missiles, aircraft, sensing systems. It certainly expanded our portfolio of, of applications where we can play. Okay, so it's broadened from just the standard essence, lighting. core avionics yeah. type stuff, or yeah. cabin systems, yeah. uh, features that, that uh, these would play on. How about Solaris? Uh, Solaris has been a little bit more uh, of a challenge going forward. Again, uh, springing off of a, a luminous concept is uh, the joke I make, and if you've been around me long enough, you've heard this joke. There's two kinds of people in the world. There's people that need a circular connector and people that need a rectangular connector, <laughs> right? Right. And we only had circulars, so we'd go into an account, and our core competency here at PCD is plastic, lightweight, sealed, rugged environments. We'd walk into an account and say, oh, we got this great plastic, sealed, lightweight, great for rugged environments. And they go, yeah, but it's circular, so mm. see you later. So now I can pull out of my pocket a rectangular one, right? And uh, that's where... Uh, Solaris has come in to help us win new business. And it's all about new business at this point because Solaris takes us into applications where, like I said, between the two types of people, mm-hmm. we just had, you know, we couldn't even have a conversation with the guys that needed a rectangular thing. It was, oh, yeah, well, we might have something maybe in a, you know, Air Inc. 600 or EN 4165 or something from Aero B. But again, those products have their strengths and weaknesses. And I think Solaris fills a gap. In there in those areas as well so it's expanded you into other markets and sub markets right that luminous and pegasus hadn't before correct yeah okay yeah so and again it's come basically listening to customers right it's oh circular doesn't work for you well i got nothing right yeah well sorry i can't help you but thanks for having having us yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay good now you pcd um also has a large part of your business is working with the products from our sister divisions in Europe mm-hmm. too. How, how does that work for you? Uh, it works pretty well. We are primarily uh, working with Socapex, Aero B France, and uh, Limited. Mm-hmm. We have uh, a couple of guys who dedicated to basically support those product lines in the U.S., and they kind of cross over between business development as well as support. Mm-hmm. So depending upon the situation, most or a lot of the AMAO sales team have some ingrained expertise in the European products, but mm-hmm. uh, it's really where you need to go in depth where our guys come in and, and help kind of either close a deal or develop the deal. You're kind of crossing the line between product specialists and business development at that point. So, How does working with the sister divisions and the products that they're selling into the U.S. through Amphenol PCD, how does that help your your new product development for the Solaris, for the Luminous, for the Pegasus? Um, is it complementary? Um, is there any connection at all? Um, does it help you get a, get a foot in the door from time to time? Uh, from time to time. Uh, and it's, it, it was vice versa. Again, it's, it's, you've got a wider portfolio of products to talk to a customer about. So when you call somebody up and say, you know, I'd like to come talk to you about your problem, mm-hmm. your application, it's not just one thing you can throw at them. It's, oh, okay, well, we've got a rectangular solution, Solaris, but, you know, if you want to use something that's uh, maybe more expandable and upgradable over time, well, then you should use the SIM, mm-hmm. right? And you've, now you've got more shades of gray to talk to the guy about. So it certainly helps all those conversations. Uh, challenge being keeping track of all that stuff and being <laughs> yeah. uh, perceived as an expert, right? Because when you're in a sales situation, 
you have to bring value to the customer and you're bringing value as a expert in the product. And if you're not an expert on the product, then why are you there? Right. From my perspective, from a product perspective, right? Um, so, and customers and sales, the sales team will gravitate to that. If you help them solve a problem, they will come back to you. Right? It's a challenge, but a good challenge. Yeah. You know, having a, a large product portfolio um, can have its pros and cons, but I would think that there's probably the pros outweigh the cons for, for sure. For sure, right. And now I'm able to focus my product development on areas where I don't have uh, solutions from our sister divisions. So mm-hmm. I don't need to develop a rectangular modular solution. I have one. Right. right. Great. So I can go get that. I don't need a ruggedized Ethernet solution. I have one. Right. right. So my R&D dollars can be spent elsewhere. Right. right. Something totally unique that no one else has. Exactly. And the cycle time for that is now zero, right? Mm-hmm. When you go into a customer's, when you go into a situation with a customer, they have a problem and you have solutions and trying to find that match between problems and solutions is challenging enough. And once you find that match, they're going to want it right away. Right. And if that solution is available off the shelf in Europe, well, why are we using that? Why am I developing it here and telling the customer it's, you know, 16 weeks for a development cycle versus, oh, yeah, it's a, you know, I, we got that on the shelf at Tokapex, right? right? <laughs> yeah. that, that's it's a great way to look at it. Sure. Yeah. So where did you come from before PCD? Uh, I came from Teradyne. Okay. And most people immediately jumped to Nashua. But that's not where I came out of. So Nashua was the uh, backplane division of Teradyne, commercial side, commercial military side. I came out of the semiconductor group of Teradyne. Okay. And so I spent 25 plus or minus years, thank you, for uh, working in the semiconductor markets. <laughs> minus. <laughs> 25 minus years. Plus or minus. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. So what, what are some of the roles that you had at Teradyne then? Oh, well, thank you for that question. Um, Sorry, I am I asking too much here to go through well, 25 minus years worth of Teradyne history? <laughs> plus or minus. <laughs> plus or minus. Um, started out in field service, which was a fun, fun job. Oh. Yeah. And this, the systems we used, we installed were mainframe style systems. I mean, kiosks, be, the systems were up to 24 feet long. And there'd be six or eight kiosks stuffed full of instrumentation. Jeez. Yeah, uh, yeah. They take a 400 kVA transformer to power the stuff running right off the main line of the building, mm-hmm. and those are fun to install and and keep running because they had an MTBF of about 400 hours, so you're servicing the thing, you know, twice a week to keep oh, it man. running. So, anyways, that was that was fun. But graduating, not graduating, but progressing from field service to field applications to factory applications to product management through mm-hmm. Teradyne uh, was kind of the progression. So in essence, literally from the ground up. Yeah. And always in customer facing positions, Mm -hmm. right? So uh, of my 30 plus years in the workforce, it's always been in a customer facing position and and at multiple levels, right? So engineering operations, you know, when you're installing a piece of equipment on the floor, you're dealing with building personnel, right? You know, and then you get to product management where you're dealing with senior engineers and that type of thing. So really customers across the spectrum. What do you like about it? Uh, it's different, you know, uh, it's really at, at all those levels, it's kind of the problem solving aspect mm-hmm. uh, and they're all kind of variations of a theme if you would, but identifying where the problem is, what needs to be solved and, uh, what are the parameters of a solution? Cause everything's a little bit different. It's not rote. It's not, you know, you can walk into this situation, you do X, Y, and Z because everything's just a little bit different. Now was your, you have a technical degree? 
electrical engineering. Okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah, which certainly helps <laughs> dealing with engineers. Yeah. Not so much dealing with other people, but <laughs> but you've it's interesting. You've gone from an electrical engineer, which the the, f- the handful that I've met here at Amphenol have been nothing but EEs. I mean, that's just they remain in that community and and they yeah. live and breathe in the in the EE community and signal integrity and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. You're maybe you may be the first one I've heard of that's progressed to being literally in charge of product marketing for a division. So that progression is you're right. I could see how the, I think the more customer facing experience you had just naturally led to where you are now. And you know, I started out as a manufacturing engineer, you know, building electrical systems mm-hmm. to support manufacturing, right? That was actually my first job out of college. But in the end, application is, pro- engineering is problem solving, right? right? And uh, it's just a different type of problem solving than you are in sales. Sales is problem solving, right? Again, oh, yeah. it's customer has a problem, you have a solution and you're trying to find that that match. And whether it's uh, a finance part of the problem, they can't afford your solution mm-hmm. or it's technical, you know, they need, more volts than you can provide. It's still problem solving. You know, how do you get from their problem to your solution or your solution to their problem? How often do you still get to use that initial electrical engineering background in your job now? Uh, it's a fair amount. You know, yeah. from product development point of view, understanding the customer's problem is pretty pretty big. And it's actually more so here at Amphenol because, as you said, there aren't very, very many electrical engineers. No, no, there's a lot more mechanical. Right. Um, Which always struck me as odd, given that when you think of connectors, they're packaging contacts, which is all about electrical connections. You see, so the packaging is key, right? But the connection is why you're packaging it. And it's funny if you listen. We did an episode. Uh, it's it's already out actually with Matt Simons, who's a mechanical engineer mm-hmm. uh, and is a in essence, a business field applications engineer for Amphenol Aerospace in yep. Sydney. We talked, he said almost the exact opposite in a sense of, you know, everyone thinks it's electrical engineering, but it's really all about the packaging of contacts <laughs> is really what this is all about. And I think so hearing you say it and kind of spinning it in a different way, but I, both are equally important in a sense. You got to have both or else you're not going to have a solution. Right. Right. So you can't can't disagree with them. It just depends on your point of view, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you're going to be partial to what you studied. Otherwise, your degree was a waste. Well, you know, it's it's uh, when you're at the top of the hill and you look down, it's a long way to go down. When you're at the bottom of the hill, you're looking up, it's a long way to go up. But it's yeah. the same view. That's right. There are two types of people in this world. <laughs> those at the bottom of the hill and those at the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you've had, you've progressed from an engineering heavy focus uh, now into more of a, a product management focus, but never losing that technical feel for everything that's going on and, and working with the customers a lot. I would be remiss if I didn't at least talk to you a little bit about, I know that, I, wouldn't, I don't know if I would call it in your spare time or it used to be your spare time, but also refereeing basketball games. Now, was it, what level of basketball games did you ref? Uh, well, I currently still ref. You do, okay. I do, yeah. Yeah, and I'm at the high school level. Okay. And uh, made a major, you know, not that I'm competitive, but milestone of my career was uh, last year I got my first uh, uh, state playoff game. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's fun. Good. Congratulations. Fun. And it's like anything. You work, you know, they don't just throw you out on the floor with a whistle. It's, you know, you got to do the junior highs, you got to do the youth games, and then you get high school games. And then, they, right. you know, it's, uh, again, it's a progression of, of recognition and skill that you're able to handle the 
how high long, level games. How long have you been refing? About twelve years now. Okay. Two thousand seven ish. Did you play in high school, college, or anything like that? Uh, not college, no. Yeah. High school, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I unfortunately refed. I I played in high school. Uh, I worked at a basketball camp actually outside of Sydney. Oh, fun. When I was in high school. It was fun, except when they made me ref. <laughs> and I was 15, 16, and all they did was just give me a whistle. Yeah. And they said, just ref this game. And summer camps, as you probably know, and this was the late 80s, it's just brutal. Coaches oh. are just brutal. Yeah. And just tore me up, you know, chewed me up one side and spit me out and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I it, it scared me off of refing. Probably forever. I wouldn't ref. I wouldn't ump or all that. But I always, I always watch referees or umpires or, or whoever in games that I watch when my kids played and all that. And I'm always amazed that, for the most part, for the most part, they remain calm. They don't really react, and they're just trying to do their job. They're not trying to play favorites. It's just trying to create a fair, competitive environment. But it's got to be tough sometimes with fans and coaches, which. I don't know. I don't want to be that guy that says it's getting worse as we get older, but you notice it more or maybe it gets publicized more just because of media. But how do you deal with that? Well, it's, uh, it is part of the game. I don't think it's really changed in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I, when I was a, a dad in the stands, I was awful. <laughs> okay. Well, at least <laughs> so you admit it. I, yeah. Absolutely. I'm happy to admit that. Right? Yeah. Well, not happy to admit, but I'll admit it. I mean, I, my wife wouldn't sit next to me. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm one of those guys, but now I'm on the floor and you know, I can hear those guys, but yeah. I know they don't know the rules. <laughs> <laughs> well put. Yeah. So, you know, I'm comfortable uh, making the decisions and, you know, I know I'm trained and I practice and yeah, you know, they can't see what I see from where they are. So I, it's, what am I, I can't do anything about it other than if they get out of control, I'll, I can take, I can take some action, but not a problem for me. And you enjoy we, it? Oh, absolutely. I think you have to if you're going to do it that long. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, otherwise you're just sadistic. Yeah. Well, playing in playing the game, uh, raising kids that played the game. Yeah. You know, it's the, uh, there's a the camaraderie of the other refs. There's the Friday night light aspects, right? Yeah. It's, and you stop playing or you stop uh, coaching. If you're coaching, then just having that atmosphere of the Friday night lights yeah. is, is fun. You and get a charge out of it. Yeah. And the kids, uh, there's a joke in referees that the referees get older, but the kids never age. Right. So whenever I walk into high school, the kids are always 15 and 16 years old right. and they're, you know, having fun and there's a lot of energy and, you know, I can, I can feed off that and just have a great time with them. Have you had any over the years, like some really, I wouldn't say controversial calls, but like really intense games uh, where it came down to a call or two? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's usually two or three a year. Yeah. And can you can you say the game hinged on that call? Mm. Uh, no, because normally uh, there was some other point in the game that one team took took advantage. I'm I'm with you. I'm right. a firm believer of that too. Now, I would never the end, blame a ref for yeah, what, losing a game. Yeah, when you go back and look at the game, it's a team that had fewer turnovers, fewer mistakes. Right, right. That that won. Now, yeah, it might look like that. Yeah, you stepped out of bounds. I called it and. You got to turn the ball over, and mm-hmm. there was only five seconds left. Oh, the ref is an idiot. Yeah. But what about those fifty turnovers you had in the first half? Oh, we forgot about those. Right. Right. So, right. but you know, and that's that's again why it doesn't bother me. It's I'm just calling it. Just what I see. Right. You can play better. You can play worse. You're just gonna. I'm just gonna make a call because I don't have a dog in the fight. Yeah. What do you like refing better, a close game or a blowout? 
Oh, close game. Yeah. yeah you're much more engaged. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and blow and blow it's a tough because um you have to keep control, right? Some some team will get frustrated. That's a good point. Yeah. And take a swing, yeah. right? Some kids on the on the guys that are on the upside start goofing around, yeah. right? And you know, the other kids take exception. It's so that's one of the uh, challenges of refereeing is you're there to make sure the game game is fairly played. It's a level playing field for both teams. But when the teams are completely unbalanced, that's that's work. Yeah. That's work. Close games are fun because it's easy to call. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Same skill level. Right. Easy to go, right? So it must have been good doing state games. Oh yeah. You got a high level of play. High level of play. Yeah. Right. You know, the intensity's a lot higher, so you gotta yeah. keep an eye on that. But fans fans intensity across the board. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good. I mean, to, like you're saying, you're out you're smack dab in the middle of that. Yeah. So you get that that intensity, that feeling of being out in the court. Yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice um, ad- adrenaline rush. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the best part for you is the moment that final whistle blows, you guys make a beeline off the court, and usually you're done. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. Usually. Usually. <laughs> the um, Yeah, there's, we don't have a lot of, we half the time, or most of the time, only half the gym likes us. Right. <laughs> a lot of the times, neither side likes us, but that's a different story. Right? So, refing games, ha- how much do you think that that applies? Like some of the the skills that you learn in, in refing games and and dealing with uh, adversity and contentious calls and so on and so forth. How much of that do you apply? Uh, some of those skills to what you do here now at PCD. Uh, so there's the conflict resolution part of that, which would come into play almost I'm not saying on a daily basis, but in terms of managing people. Yeah. Right? I have a I have. A, 11 people, 10, 11 people that work for me, either directly or indirectly. Just personalities that you have to manage, and uh, they're a competitive crew, so you manage that. And then on a customer level, whether you're negotiating a deal or uh, there's some conflict about your product didn't work as expected, right? Either, not saying it's bad, but they expected something different when they got it. There's the idea of fairness, right? Mm -hmm. So we, we sold you a part. We said it would do this. You're coming back, said it did something else. Okay, let's look at the facts, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and contractual, you look at the contract, right? These are the rules we're playing by. We got a contract, right? Whether it's a sales order or a development contract or some unwritten rules of engagement when you're in a uh, uh, discussion with somebody, right? Right. And just understanding where those are and how those play. And I think there's a lot of similarities to uh, what's needed on a basketball court. Right. What's worse? Tough coaches or tough customers? Yeah, yeah. What's worse? That's a, that's an interesting question. A coach would be worse in that you're on a stage, right? When you're on a basketball court, right? So yeah, your action is scrutinized by a lot of people immediately. Yeah, that's a good point, right? Yeah. At on a customer interaction, there might only be two or three people witnessing what's going on, but the ramifications are longer lasting because you just ruined a relationship with a customer if you handle that poorly. Yeah. Right. He's not going to buy, or he's going to tell everybody in his company, "Amp and all, don't buy from them." Or yeah. I don't never want to see that guy again if you handle it poorly. Right. Yeah. On a coach, you throw him out. You know, he reports you. <laughs> you have a discussion. Yep. I want to see him on my floor again. All right. Well, lots of other floors. And two weeks later, you're <laughs> refing his next <laughs> home game. Yeah, <laughs> well, John, I think we both called a pretty clean game here this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> so I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Oh, it was my pleasure, Chris. Thanks, Thanks for John. coming down.